people are like, oh, I don't have confidence, right? Well, you don't have confidence if you don't have experience in anything. If you have no experience in something, of course, it's normal not to have confidence in it. For example, if I tell you, can you tie your shoe with your eyes closed? Of course, you're going to be very confident tying your shoe because you've done it your whole life. And that's the same thing with finding a new skill. At first, you're not going to be confident. But then once you do it over the repetition, you're going to be confident in it. Hello, friend, and welcome to episode 44 of the Feeling Full podcast. I'm Mordechai, an entrepreneur and coach who struggled with being overweight for nearly two decades. But since 2012, I've lost 130 pounds and have kept it off. Join me and my guest today to discover how it's possible and even simple to lose weight with ease without going on crazy diets, without doing intense workouts. If you're ready to give up quick fixes and fad diets and build a fulfilling relationship with your body and food, this show is for you. Today, our guest is Ravi Lochin. Ravi's story is an incredible story about a first-generation American kid who grew up with two deaf parents. Ravi struggled with food when he was growing up and his weight, often bullied in school, made fun of, not fitting in with the rest of the kids. But Ravi found the courage to push through and motivate himself to change his circumstances, and eventually he lost 80 pounds, but sadly, after a short little while, gained it back. He went forward again, this time learning more about his body, how it worked, his habits, his mindset, doing some of the inner work, and eventually lost 80 pounds again. Ravi's a really inspiring guy who's got so much grit, courage, discipline, and I really hope you enjoy this conversation. And before we get started, it would mean a whole lot to me if you take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast. If you already have, thank you. And if you have not, this really helps ensure you never miss an episode and you'll also help with the growth of the show. Alrighty, thanks for joining and let's jump right in. What's up, Ravi? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good, man. How's everything? Dude, it's great to, great to have you. Great to have you here today. Really, really excited to um, share your story um, and, and some of the things that you've been through. I saw you online and I was really inspired by how much courage you have to put yourself out there, you know, and going through the weight loss journey twice, you know, doing, you know, losing the weight, feeling that you hit your milestone, like where you want it to be. And then all of a sudden, you have to do it all over again. I really respected that courage that you had to share it all the way it was and and what it takes to actually go through this journey twice. Yeah, I mean, it it was, uh, you know, it didn't feel too great when I put back on the weight at first because you worked so hard to lose it. Like, that's how I felt. And then knowing the fact that I had to do it again was kind of embarrassing and it was kind of made me lost hope because you know once you for me once i gained back all the way and when i wanted to lose it again i was in a headspace of what if i lose it and i gain it back again what's the point but then i asked myself like <clears throat> if i were to and this is just me everyone's different what made me do it again was you know if i were to die or I'm in a hospital, would I be okay with where, where I am right now? And the truth was no, which made me ignore the fact that, you know, I might gain the weight back. And it kept me pushing to focus on, you know, losing the weight and believing that I'll keep it off. I mean, it's been a year and a half now and I kept the weight off. So That's awesome, man. 
So I want to just, you know, get some backstory. So if you can just take me back, I'm curious, like, was there a standout moment when you realized that your weight struggle started? Because I know that you struggled a lot with your weight as a kid using food as comfort, like many people who are, you know, struggling with their weight as adults do. Was there a standout moment where everything started for you? I would say like, you know, I was overweight since I was in kindergarten and I noticed I was bigger than everyone else. I didn't know that you're a kid. So when I was a kid, I didn't know the name for it um, until like, you know, I probably hit first grade or second grade when people started calling me fat. I said, oh, that's the name. (laughs) But I always noticed that, you know, I was bigger than everyone else. But it was confusing for me as a child because, you know, Growing up in New York City, the public schools, you're provided with lunch and breakfast. Um, not so great, but it's still there. So I'm eating the same thing as everyone else. And when I come home, I'm eating whatever my parents give me. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm eating, everyone's eating. Why am I the only one getting bigger? So, you know, growing up, I, I would always think, and I pretty much any kid would think, oh, maybe that's just the way I am. That's how God made me. I'm supposed to be fat. Um, so to answer your question, that's the way I thought of it, that I was always supposed to be this way. And I was fat because of, you know, God made me this way or else because everyone else is eating the same thing I'm eating. I'm the only one that's getting bigger. So you thought like this was just the way that you were supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Up- up up until you know up until middle yeah middle school i said you know what i'm tired of getting be, being made fun of so i actually want to lose the weight I, I joined the basketball team i joined i went to the gym i went to the ymca i did something about it i lost some weight how old are you at this point i was 16 got it so you, so you joined the YMCA, joined the basketball team? Yeah. And, and what happened? And yeah, they they put me as a big guy. Um, And also at the YMCA, all I did was on the elliptical. I didn't know how to work out. And at that time, when I was 16, I believe it was around 2012 area. And in that time, in the fitness industry, it was big about fat burners, supplements, waistbands, um, anything that, you know, that plastic wrap you wear to no. sweat. So there's this uniform. It's like a piece of big plastic that you wear over and underneath your clothes. And you have, you wear plastic, a plastic pants and a plastic elastic sheet of um, top. And the point is for you to sweat your fat out and burn extra calories supposedly when you're doing cardio. And that's what I wore. And there's times I wore it to the gym <laughs> without with everyone seeing it, like without any other top on, like covering it. And my main objective was to lose weight using that. And I lost a good 40 pounds. So on YouTube, I lost, I, I lost and gained weight two times, but in real, real life, it was like three times because mm. the middle school part. And that's how it was. I lost a good 40 pounds in middle school. The basketball team was fun. I was always the big guy for the basketball team. And at first it was hard 
getting up and down the court. I was always on the bench. I was always the backup. But then, you know, I lost some weight and then I got a little bit better. I got awesome, treated better. Man. Yeah. I was, I was always so scared of sports growing up. It was never, never something that I can, never something I actually enjoyed. Always, always the guy that picked last in the team, never yeah. wanted to play. Yeah, it was always, um, it was tough, tough, you can say. So um, let's, let's go back a bit to growing up, because I know you and your brother both struggled with your weight, yeah. and both of your parents are deaf. And I'm curious what that was like for you both, like you and your brother are able to speak, right? And yeah. And your parents could not. What was that? What was that experience like? It sounds sounds like it could be very very challenging. Yeah, to be honest, I'm I can't explain that to you in a way that because when you grow up with something, everything seems normal to you. You know what I mean? From what I've learned, anyone that grows up with something that you know may not be normal to someone else is normal for them. So the best way I can explain it because I'm still like going through a phrase. I realized, Oh shoot. Like this is actually not normal. And I mean, you know, you know, like um, logically is not normal, but like to really truly understand and believe that, Oh, like this is not, this is not normal. Like the world works something some in a, in a, in a different way because when your whole life, you see something that is normal for you. It's hard to step outside until you really actually step outside and like look within. If that makes sense, I don't know if that didn't make sense what I just said. Yeah, yeah, no. You, Does that you, make you sense to you? Until you have the awareness to actually see it from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I still have time for my. I still need a little bit more time to really fully explain what it was like. But I can still, as of right now, what I can say is that. You know, it was difficult learning English growing up because um, having two deaf parents, on top of that, like uh, my family are immigrants as well. So I'm a first generation American. From so where? They're, they're from Guyana. Got so Guyana is in South America. It's a very small country right above Brazil. And their main language is broken down English, which is, you know, Jamaican. I personally know. I mean, I know Jamaican, but I don't, I don't, I don't speak it. Yeah. So they speak a similar, like broken down English, like Jamaicans would. So, ah, okay. Give you, yeah. To give you understanding. And yeah. So when you, <laughs> when you grow up in a household where um, no one speaks and then you have broken down English, your English is pretty messed up um, from the beginning. So I, which causes me not to talk a lot in class. And that's what led me to, you know, you don't talk to anyone, you get home, you eat your food. And I believe that because for me personally, I wasn't able to talk, express at a young age, I use food to like cope with a lot of things. And that's where my journey started with food and like loving food and, um, yeah, that's <laughs> if you want to um, ask any more specific questions, um, maybe I can I give you like a specific answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess aside from the weight, like what was it like for you? What, what, what was the, I guess, what was your earliest memory of actually realizing that you can speak and hear 
and that was different than your parents and your parents couldn't well i i could hear ever since i came i, I since um i came out the womb so <laughs> when i was a baby one years right. old um but um when i could speak i believe i probably two or three years old right. that's what i can remember um two or three years old speaking i don't know what i would say i can't remember what i said right. but i not watch a lot of tv stuff like power rangers and stuff like that um blue schools those shows that's actually where i try to learn english from from tv as well and it was actually pretty amazing those times so you taught yourself you taught yourself english in a big way as well i would say that i mean school would count um right. but i don't know so how no no, no one know. at home was teaching no one at home was teaching you anything yeah and that and from from that perspective yeah so you learned sign language to communicate with your parents is that something that you learned pretty young yeah actually um now that you talk about it, i just remembered so my first school was going to a deaf school i went to a deaf school um because uh, there was a potential chance that i i needed surgery for my ear so that my parents thought i was going to become deaf but thank god i wasn't it was just an ear infection and i went to i spent the first two years at a deaf school yes yeah so kindergarten and no pre-k kindergarten i spent at a deaf school so i was the only kid in my classroom that could speak i remember that and um and the reason why they allowed it is because they thought i was going to become deaf and on top of that i need to learn sign language and it was a cool experience in terms of getting to know people there and this can go a little bit off topic is because you get to learn how to communicate nonverb at at a nonverbal cue and understand it which is very fascinating it's like a to me it's like a superpower because it allow it allow me to um communicate and understand things without saying a word wow so you learn so that's we learn that's we learn sign language yeah So yeah, at pre-K I I knew sign language before I knew English. Got it. Yeah. Wow. I wonder this fact that your parents couldn't speak and you were you were somewhat different than a lot of the kids that you're going to school with, how that impacted you. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, if the viewers are listening to this including you, you'll probably think, "Oh, you know, I mean, during that time there's bullying was popular." <laughs> So I'm quite I'm quite aware. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely that came into play in my cards. Um the good thing was I was actually a big kid and the good thing about being a big kid is that once you stand up for yourself and if you're if you're a big kid listening to this too, you know it's good that you're a big kid because all it takes is one moment to stand up for yourself and that's what happened to me. I take one person that made fun of my parents cuz My mom when she would pick me up from school for her to get my attention she would have to um you know deaf people they can't speak so they have to make a sound like a they have to scream or something to get someone's attention so that's how she would get my attention and kids would make fun of me for it so when I speak up for myself once and then show that I'm willing to like fight them for it for them to shut up um they never do it again did you actually do um, that yeah growing up I had to do that Do you remember like the first time you had to do that what that was like? 
yeah, I was in first grade, and uh, my kid um said, oh, like um something with the the stupid mom or something like that, and then like I punched him in the face, <laughs> and then uh-huh. I mean it was the first grade, and then I got in trouble, and um yeah, I got suspended. I remember one time in middle school, um, someone made fun of my mom and um, they made um, sexual noises saying, oh, my mom was always making sexual noises. And that led to me to fight them. And then um, eventually they, uh, he got his friends together. And like, I had to fight someone that one by one, because there's multiple of them making fun of me. You know, because of my weight, having deaf parents and stuff like that. So, you know, I, you know, in, in New York City, in public schools, fights are pretty popular. So when I was in middle school, no, no, it wasn't middle school. It was fifth grade, actually. Yeah, it was fifth grade. And I've, I had to fight like five different kids. And then for some reason, they all became friends and they grouped up and beat me up after school. <laughs> all wow. five of them. And I mean... To me, I actually found it kind of sounds crazy, but I found that cool that five people had to come beat me up just to take me down. And then I realized, yeah, it's whatever. It, it took five of them. So I didn't care at that point. Obviously, I got I, I got pretty bad. Um, I did. Um, What's crazy is like, after I got beat up, I was like, yeah, I can't wait to go home and eat. I, did, I wasn't concerned that I got beat up. I was concerned about you know eating at that time like what was it about food that was causing you to to feel concerned it made me feel good it was like very therapeutic because you know sometimes like i've seen from friends and sometimes movies um a lot of kids when they go through a struggle or something they have someone to talk to they have like their parents at first to talk to express what they're feeling not every kid but like some you know it's good stable family you know get to tell their parents oh um you know some kid was being mean to me and their parent will go to the school and um try to sort the situation out not only for me not only my parents are deaf they're immigrants so um a lot of immigrants if you get into a fight and you tell your parents the first thing they'll tell you is what did you do it's not that's very common with immigrant families and they'll say you should avoid the fight and you know they make they make everything your responsibility um on top of that too my parents especially they believe that the teacher is always right and you know doing that food was the only source to actually feel good because you know my parents weren't helping me feel good I didn't have that many friends around to help me feel good. Teachers don't care because they can't relate. So that's where it lead me. You know, I said, this makes me feel good. At that time, I didn't know. I just like instantly just went up and eat food and watch TV. And that that's when the habit started, like growing up. It was like, oh, this makes me feel good. TV makes me feel good. I don't understand it, but I'm doing it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people that are overweight can relate. Because there's two different types of people that I see that are overweight. They're just like, one, are overweight, yes, because they have bad genetics, including myself. So we can't get away with what other people do. And the other one is actually like genuinely like hooked on to 
eating food they just love food and they use it for everything when they feel good when they feel sad and there's those are the two different types and some people actually have those two different types some of them have both some of them have one and i feel like it's harder when someone who is emotionally attached to food to lose the weight because you go through your whole life just using food as a therapeutic resource and then you know you're now forced to take it away and use some and find another way to um find your therapy and sometimes it could be forever because you don't know what's going to make you feel as good as food does that's where that, that's i mean you're, you're speaking to a really powerful point which is the mm-hmm. idea that you know food feels good and it's an instant gratification right if you're struggling with something and you and you and you and you use food as a drug to make yourself feel good or to escape whatever pain you're feeling yeah you know it's a it's a it's an easy very accessible way to um to feel good immediately right yeah. and and the w- one of the things that's helped me out a lot you know mm-hmm. and i think you as well is this idea of like finding another thing to replace that finding another thing to do when you're feeling those emotions when you're feeling those you know when you're feeling like you need to use food what is another tool what is another tool in your toolkit that you can have and that's where positive habits come in and that's where it starts you know you, when you when you have something else to do you know for me now when i when i when i when i'm craving foods there's other things that i have to do you know whether it's call somebody up or drink a bunch of water or go for a walk or meditate or journal like there's other things that i would do i'm curious right now it sounds like, you know, weightlifting is a big part of your life and being active. What do you, what do you do now when you're feeling that kind of um, trigger, like you need to eat that food, you're trying to, you, you need, you want that pleasure, the escapism, whatever it is. Yeah. I actually want to take a little step back. And before I even explain like what I like to do now is that with this, finding the replacement is really hard to find something that makes you feel good as food is super hard. And this is the mountain that we all who are overweight, including myself, like, like for me was the hardest mountain to climb to get over. Thankfully, now I climbed over that mountain and now looking at the other side, this is the hardest part. Getting over that mountain, finding something that replaces that habit. And once I replaced it, things became easy for me. And at first, you know, the gym, it wasn't right now. It is the place that replaced that therapeutic feeling for me to make me feel good. And to be honest, at first, it did not feel good. It felt like punishment. And the reason why it felt like punishment is because I was going too hard. I was doing workouts that was not really designed for my body type. I was too heavy for, and I was still doing them because that's what the instructor said, or that's what I saw online. I was doing stuff like burpees. I was running. Of course, I didn't want to do it again because I was 300 pounds running. If you put 300 pounds on someone who's not overweight, but you put enough body weight on him, that's 300 pounds, of course, he's going to want to stop running like, like how I did because I didn't realize that it puts too much stress on my joints. It, 
it made me more stressed. It made me not want to look out, look to the next workout. And that would cause me to yo-yo diet. I'm like, I'm motivated. I'm doing it. I'm eat healthy. I'm going to go to the gym. After a couple of weeks, you know, I don't want to go to the gym no more. It's a punishment for me. Why am I, why am I, why am I going to go and punish myself? So that's when I decided myself to, I said, you know what? I don't care what these fitness influencers say. I like to be active. I know that because I used to play basketball a lot. I'm just going to go on elliptical, walk, you know, take it one step at a time. Because I'm trying everything the internet says, but it's too difficult for me. And I said, if I have that body type, I'll be able to do that. But I don't, unfortunately. So there's this term that I that actually popped in my mind. The famous quote, if you can't run, swim. I mean, if you can't walk, if you can't run, walk, and if you can't walk, crawl. So I said, yo, I'm crawling. I'm a baby in this. And so that's what I did. I walked. Well, and you know, to be honest, I would, I would say, yo, like everyone in this gym is working out hard. I'm the only one that's like walking, not working out as much. I look like the laziest one here. But I ignore that because I know, like, hey, this is what I know I can do right now. I told myself, like, this is something that I can commit to for six months, right? This walking for an hour or using elliptical for an hour is what I can commit to. And I know that there's no chance that I can miss that because it's something that is a low level, um, it's a low level energy. And I know it won't get me exhausted for the next day. And that's what I did at first. And what's crazy is within two months, I started to enjoy going to the gym. I, I naturally wanted to do more intense stuff. And that, that time allowed me to cement the idea of enjoying going to the gym. Instead of when I was working out hardcore for one week, not wanting to go. So that habit is not built because I've learned that habits are built over time. Sometimes they say it's 21 days. It doesn't take 21 days to build a habit, especially if you have something that is very something that you need to break a habit and then build a new one. For me, it took me about two months to actually like after two months, I finally said to myself, oh, I actually enjoy going to the gym. The first two months, I hated it. But I picked yeah, something I, that I could do. Sorry about that. No, 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 you're, you're good. Yeah. I, this is the this is one another really powerful point, which is when you're creating a habit or a replacement. In, in this case, which we're talking about, do something that is really easy, something that you can always yeah. do no matter what. If you're doing, if you're committing to something like you were talking about before, where you go to the gym for too long, or you're doing things that you can't physically do, you can yeah. do them for a short period of time, but eventually it's going to taper off. So you're not going to be able to do it. But if you pick something that's really easy and sustainable, and that you can always manage to do. Then sometimes you'll come to the gym and you'll do other stuff. You may pick up some weights or you may go for a little longer, may go a little harder, but you look forward to it because you know you can do it. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Like me, myself, no one wants to do anything that's punishing, especially that, right. that, that, you know, mentally exhausts you, physically exhausts you. Because when you're overweight and you're working out at a tense level, for someone who is not overweight, they're working out, their body's taking all the stress, right? But they're they're not taking it's not taking as much energy compared to someone who is over like extremely overweight. 
because for you, you not only you you're working out your body, but you're exhausting your mentality as well and your energy, like your mental energy, because not you since the beginning of the workout, you got to push yourself mentally to get this workout done. And then you got to endure the knee pain. And then if for me, I had a lot of knee pain by running. I was trying to run when I was like 330 pounds. And I keep trying to keep running after my knee hurts after a week. I said, you know what? Push through the pain. No pain, no gain. I had to realize that that's not what they mean by no pain, no gain. Don't put, I, I don't need to put myself in a hospital. No pain, no gain just, is just a push through, uh, push through motivation when you don't feel like doing it. Not when you're actually physically like damaging your body. I've, and a lot of pe- big people that I've noticed and that I also help, they like to, you know, do these intense workouts because, you know, they watch like David Goggins. They watch like a lot of like people on Beachbody. They see these people doing it, which is very inspiring and a goal, a nice goal to get to. But that's not who we are. Like, that's who I'm not. That's who I wasn't. I can't work out like Dave Goggins being at 330 pounds, even though I want to the same intensity. But if for me, if I wanted to make it last, I got Like you said, I got to make it easy for myself. I got to like, there's this saying like a lot of this is, all right. This quote is a little bit, this quote is a little bit dark and you can cut this out if you want to. Uh, <laughs> so I like to view it as like boy, boy, boiling frogs, right? When you're boiling a frog, you can't just boil it in hot water if you're trying to um, cook it. And I never ate a frog, but it's a term. If you, if you, uh, if you did, I'm going to believe you now. <laughs> so if you throw a frog in hot water, it immediately is going to jump off the hot water, right? However, if you put a frog in the cold water, and you turn the boiler on, it's going to stay in the water, and the temperature is going to rise and rise and rise. And eventually, when it gets really hot, it's not going to jump. Wow. It's, going to, it's just going to die. So, wow. Right. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a powerful analogy. Yeah. So that's the same thing with like your bad habits and creating a new one. You got to slow your way into it. That's what I've learned. That's what I did. And it worked for me because it's been a year and a half since I lost the weight and I kept it off because the hardest part is not only losing weight. How much weight have you lost? For me. I lost about 80 pounds. Nice, man. Wow. That's a, yeah. a lot of weight. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. I, 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 I would say that for me to keep the weight off, if you think losing the weight is hard, keeping the weight off is the hard is more harder. And this is not to like, you know, lose your hope from losing the weight. Because once you lose the weight and you build the foundation of, of focusing on easing your way into it and creating a habit, then keeping it off won't be a problem. It's just that before was the hard the hard part for me was trying to lose the weight fast. And I did. I lose the weight fast, gain it all back. Lose it fast again, gain it all back. But when I started Focusing on like, yo, this is what is gonna be a part of my part of my life for the rest of the time that I live. 
the habits of the way I eat, the way I work out is going to be part of me for the rest of my life. So I better suck it up and then do something that I enjoy. I got to enjoy my habit, enjoy the type of workouts that I do. And this is where um, you said I like to do bodybuilding. I don't like to do bodybuilding. I actually hate it. I just do it because it was one avenue of one of the first thing I learned on how to work out in the gym. Because it's pretty popular on YouTube. Oh, bodybuilding. And you, there's a lot of information on how to do it. So, of course, I picked that because there's a lot of information. Guys like Jeff Neffert, thankfully, give you a step-by-step rundown on how to do bodybuilding. So that's the reason why I picked that. And on top of that, my brother does bodybuilding. That's how he lost his weight. So I'm like, oh, my brother did it. He lost weight with bodybuilding. I might as well do it too. I do it. I don't like it. I still do it. The only times I do like it is when I feel weak. For some reason, like if you want to have a build a strong mentality, pushing those weights will help, especially for the days you feel weak. Because there's something about it, and I think I know why. And this here's my understanding for this. I feel like pushing weights make you mentally stronger, anyone stronger, because it forces you to push past resistance. Like if you're trying to get that last last rep, you're for me, I can see myself training myself, pushing past through the resistance, which builds that skill of doing things and pushing past through resistance. If that makes sense to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. When you uh, David Goggins say callous your mind to, you know, to push past, you know, to handle the pain, to handle the to push through the, you know, have the endurance to push through, then you start you start to, you know, I have this coach used to say, you know, you're swimming in new waters. So now there's new possibility and you kind of get past that place that you would think that was a limit. And now you lift it past it. And you feel, and it was a physical experience. It was an intellectual experience of your body physically experienced it. And that physical experience stays with you. And on top of that, I mean, weightlifting, you know, may not be the funnest thing. It may not be the most enjoyable thing, but there's many studies that have, that show that building muscle actually burns fat more effectively than yeah. just doing cardio. And, you know, it's like, there's a big difference between, you know, doing cardio and lifting weights to your body composition. Then if you just the cardio, you can weigh the same amount as somebody who lifts weights, but the yeah. person who lifts weights is going to have stronger muscles and a different form because, you know, they're, they're lifting that weight. They're putting their body under endurance. And also there's a lot of many other benefits to lifting weights too, to be strong. And also to put your nervous system under that type of resistance is really good because it kind of wears you out. You sleep better. I definitely sleep better when I lift weights. I'm actually happier when I'm when I'm, when I'm pushing that feeling that you're describing. I yeah. I love I love that feeling. I mean, if I can get if I can get a trainer to push me through to like my own limitations when it comes to lifting weights, I feel very happy like emotionally and also physically. I see changes in my body, you know, relatively relatively quick too, relatively quick yeah. too. And that actually that kind of um, segues into another topic I wanted to cover, which is body image. You know, it's you know it's something that. I feel like as men, we don't discuss openly enough. And I think every guy thinks about body stuff. You know, I think just like women do, men do as well. And I'm curious for you going through your journey as you've seen your body, you know, change sizes as you lost this 80 pounds and and a couple of times you've gained it back before. At this point, when you're like standing in the mirror and you see your body, do you know what your inner dialogue is like? What are you thinking about? Yeah. I 
would say that when I look in the mirror, honestly, I was like, damn, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing. And for me, I thrive on negative talk to myself. That's how I thrive. Because before I would try to give into the body positivity and that actually damaged me more, me personally, than giving myself shit talk because I would say, oh yeah, you're fine. You're okay. You still look good. At least you have a good looking face. You know, your body doesn't look great, you know, except for you are. And that actually made me want to relax and not do anything about it. Right. But, you know, every time I look in the mirror and ever since I started, I'm like, yo, man, you look like shit. Like, no one, you don't look attractive. And this is me personal. It doesn't have to be for everyone else. This is for me. You don't look attractive. Um, you, you're not happy with yourself. You're lying to yourself. That sparked anger in me. That sparked disappointment. Because I view this. For men image, I view honestly, I'm a man, right? And if, if I'm a man and I have a son, one day in my life, I want, I want my son to look at my photo and say, damn, dad, you're shredded. I want to be like that. Or damn, dad, you have a good physique. Like, it doesn't have to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger type stuff. It could be like a regular, like, and that's top, top, another thing too. We don't, I don't have to like have the body, like the bodybuilders have on, on Instagram, but it doesn't mean I, I don't have the possibility to be fit. Like a regular, like, you know, Mark, Shesh, Mark Session, the guy who wrote Pillar Guy, right? He has, he, he has a great body, right? A fit body. That's what I mean. And for me, when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, man, I, one day, you know, <laughs> your time is running out. You know, if you have kids in the future, you don't want to be known as the, you know, fat dude the whole time. That's not inspiring. That's just a personal goal that I want to make at least be fit once in your life. Yeah, I'm, I think that I can relate because I, you yeah. know, I used to I used to have a lot of negative talk as well. Um, yeah. And it's something that I've actively try to change over the years and i get that you didn't have this you had a, a, a not a positive experience in your in your mind when you started using positive talk and body acceptance and i think those are two separate things yeah. body acceptance and positive talk because my experience when i was doing a little negative talk it, it was not only yes it was making me push harder and yeah. i can really see myself like trying harder when i used anger and channel those emotions but also it had a like a, a negative impact in my life because that's kind of the way i was seeing every that was the lens i was seeing life through this like this this negativity right this like yeah. this anger this 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 that was the fuel that i was fueling my car with so to speak right yeah and what i've been trying to do is like and this is something i'm still trying to figure out it's by no means am i you know am, am i am i trying to preach to you um just sharing but for me it, it's been like trying to cultivate more compassion and coming from a place of love, going for the same goals, like going, having the same workouts, but instead of cursing myself out on the machines that come on, you can do harder, you can do better. Come on, you fat, you know, like using that energy, which I trust me, I used for many, 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 many years. And I think people like us were the easiest to berate ourselves because we are used to being made fun of and called names and picked on. So it's like, it's easy for us to do it to ourselves because for so long, others have done it to us. But I think the work is 
really starting to cultivate that, well, at least for me, but starting to cultivate that from a place of love and compassion and like trying to be like, you want this because you deserve it. Like you're worthy of this body. You're worthy of the shredded body that you want because you're an incredible human. And why shouldn't you have that health? It's like kind of from a place of cultivating how amazing life would be as you step into this healthier body, this healthier version of Ravi, this healthier thing. And when you start to cultivate that mindset, you can also, and this is creating a new possibility, you can also achieve the same goals, maybe even better, because now that lens that you've created of happiness, joy, celebration, love, and compassion, you're now exuding that in other areas of your life. Because it's not so linear thinking where you can be angry at your body and beat yourself into submission and do good and, and be shredded. But that has to also happen. That lens also, you can't just turn it off in other areas of your life. You know, whether it's friendship, relationships, you know, in business, whatever it is, you, that lens is that lens, you know? So I think there's a more holistic, you know, I think society, especially as dudes, our society kind of cultivates the idea that when we're shredded, we're going to have what we want. Like being in great physical shape is a really masculine thing. Like if you can't, that's you, it's weakness, right? But I think in my learning, it's been like actually the way we actually look at our bodies is the actual thing. It's not necessarily the exact how many abs you can see or how fit exactly fit you are. It's also, you, have you ever seen pictures of people on Instagram? You mentioned Instagram. Have you ever seen people like guys on Instagram who look ripped, but they actually look miserable? Yeah. And then you see people who are like maybe not ripped, but they're and their shirts are off, or whatever. They don't look, they just look like whatever. They're living life, you know? Have mm -hmm. you seen anybody like that? Yeah, I have. So like the 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 thing that I'm trying to compare is that the 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 frame of that which we bring to it also has an impact on the way we're getting to experience life as a more holistic way, you know? Mm -hmm. What do you think about all that? I I agree with you on that. And the reason why is because um you, like I was trying to explain what I what I think of when I see the, when I'm looking at the mirror. I love to give myself the negative talk when I'm looking to the mirror. So um, mm. it gives me motivation to go to the gym. I agree with celebrating. The thing is before when, and you're right, when you do a whole bunch of negative talk the whole time, it's hard to like, it's hard to keep going if you're doing negative talk the whole time. But I use negative talk, talk as a tool. I don't use it as like, you have multiple tools in your tool belt. Mm. So I use the, the negative talk when I'm looking in the mirror, when I mess up on a diet. The last thing I want to do is positive talk when messing up a diet because I try that and that doesn't work at all. It just puts you down in a downward spiral. And yeah, and I, for me, I've learned to not look at things as like a complete absolute. Every single thing has a, a reason for it. So, you know, when you ask me what I think about when looking to the mirror, I use that ne negative talk because when I'm home looking in the mirror, I have a reason to go to the gym. But when I'm, the, when I'm at the gym, I am not giving myself negative talk at all. Negative talk, if I hadn't, the point of going to the gym is to enjoy it. So why would I give myself negative talk at the gym when I'm trying to enjoy it? And that's for me, when I'm at the gym, I give myself the most positive talk because you're surrounded by people who are fit. You're surrounded by people who's working out hard and you're most likely one of the few, for me, I was one of the few overweight person who is not working out intense. So that's at that place in time, I had to give myself the positive talk 
And I would tell myself, man, I'm, I'm the only fat guy here. I have the boss to do this. I'm one step closer to getting to, to, to being like them. Or I could put this workout on one step closer to get into my goal. And that's how I view things. And when I finished my workout, I would celebrate in my head. Way to go, man. You did it. Congratulations. Victory. So oh, that, yeah. that, that's the missing key because I understand when you said like, it will be torture. You're angry the whole time when you're working out. You're trying to push yourself when you're working out. I mean, I push myself when I'm trying to get a rep done. I push myself, but I'm not, I'm not saying, yo, you piece of shit, get, get the rep done. No, I'm like, you got, you got this. Um, if you ever, you ever watch Dragon Ball Z? No. Okay. Um, so the character, they like to push themselves to out how much they can do. And but they don't beat themselves up for not getting it done if they can't. It, and that's how the way I view. Like I try to push myself on how to get things to get the goal done. But I, if I gave everything I got and it still wasn't done, I'm not going to beat myself up because I know I gave everything I got. However, if I know I didn't give everything I got, I, I'm gonna be truthful. I say, yo, I'm disappointed. In I'm, I'll be disappointed in myself because I know I didn't give everything I got. And that's why I'm saying like, you know, beating yourself up or celebration, it has its time and place. And every emotion is a, a toolbox. Mm. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think what you're saying is very, very powerful, very valid. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, where, where, where do you, where do you want to go from here? What's the, what's the dream? What are you working towards? Yeah. So meaning the dream for my life. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm actually learning a lot about the economy, about the world, how it runs, because I've always wanted to, and this is personal for me. I've always wanted to, you know, build a skill that builds wealth for my, for myself and my family and not necessarily for myself. It's just that, you know, being the first immigrant, first generation American, with parents who are immigrants, you know, you don't really, and plus deaf, you don't really got nothing. Like a lot of people, not a lot, but you know, majority of people, they have something for them. Like, you know, they have their parents, you know, provide them with the house. If they go away, um, they have like, uh, at least, uh, um, funds available for them. You know, if something happens to their parents, you know, being the first generation American, especially having deaf parents, you know, they couldn't really build anything for themselves because they were limited at the time, especially, especially not having the internet. You don't know how much the internet changed the world because there's so much opportunity than there is before. Like, to be honest, if it wasn't for the internet, I wouldn't be able to lose the weight because there's so much information on the internet that you can find compared to back then. You were forced to go to the library and find books and you got to go through so much books to find what's actually truth and what's not true because a lot of books were were full of um, fluff. And for me, I because of that, I didn't have, you know, I don't have. If my parents go away, I have no funds, got no house, all that stuff. Motivates me to create wealth for myself, and it's gonna happen. Um, I spent years building a skill. And I've learned that for me, for, in order for me to build that wealth, 
I have to build a skill that helps other people bring value to their life, whether that's helping businesses make money or creating a product that someone finds pretty valuable and majority and scale that. So that's where I see myself going in the future. I love to do YouTube. I want to do YouTube. The interesting thing is like, you know, I, I gave it my all with YouTube and I tried to make a career out of it. But the problem I see with that for myself is that it doesn't take me to the end goal that I want to go. What's the, what's the end goal? My end goal is, you know, you're saying YouTube have, won't make you that won't make won't make you that won't make you that financial wealth that you want. Yeah, Got it. Got especially it. with the with the industry I'm in, like the fitness, the weight right. loss industry on YouTube as an entertainer on YouTube. If I was creating right. supplements and stuff like that, yeah, it can take me to my end goal. But if I'm just being like a, a fitness YouTuber or something like that, it won't take me there. A YouTube uh, celebrity. Yeah, yeah. So that that's my end goal. But I really enjoy making YouTube videos for and helping people with their weight loss and i hope you know the the library that i have on youtube helps someone that are interested help me help me this morning when i was when I, was, I was i was doing some i was checking you out um the, the walk-in video that you have i can't I'll, I'll make sure to post your channel in the show notes for anybody listening right now that wants to see wants to see yeah. but there's some great great stuff there what I love about your videos are you're sharing your experience. It's your raw lived experience. You're not sitting on a high horse preaching to people. You're just doing your thing, working through this stuff, sharing your setbacks, sharing your you're gonna overcome. Then just really, it's really authentic, and um, it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there like that. Um, and without without any, um, you know, you're not trying to be seen in a certain way. You're just being seen how you are, and I think that's really admirable, man. Thank you. I also wanted to uh, mention one one more thing that's re- that really like turned my life around and turned my weight loss around is that, you know, when losing weight, and I hear this a lot of times, I feel like this will be really, really useful and it will change one person's life. I know it will because it changed my life, which is people, I used to believe my emotions control my life and my emotions. I can't stop eating junk and I I can't work out because, you know, I don't feel like it. And that's how I am. And that's how, that's how I mess up. And ever since I thought I heard, there's this terminology and I read the book power habit. That's where I got it from a few years ago, which allowed me to keep the weight off. And this one concept just changed everything for me. And it was my thoughts controls my emotion. And my emotion controls the action that I take. And once I heard that concept, I had to observe my thoughts and write them down. For every time I cheated on the diet, all I would say, oh, I had an impulse eating. That's why it wasn't because I had an impulse eating. That was part of the problem. But I had to ask myself, what gave me that emotion? And then what thoughts I was having to actually start having the emotion to impulsive eat and thoughts I was having, oh, I'm feeling stressed. Maybe I should have a chocolate bar. Oh, and I know it sounds like very like f- obvious to think of, but when you're running your day-to-day life for me, I couldn't observe my thoughts before I do that impulse eating. And when I was able to control, like, for example, with the chocolate, 
oh, maybe I should have a chocolate bar. I'm planting a seed, which next you know, a few hours later, I'm binging on like a box of chocolate. And then I said, where did this come from? I just started eating because of impulse. It wasn't the fact that I wasn't, I didn't dictate that thought and I didn't change that thought from the beginning before that even happened. So ever since I control the thoughts and I rewire and reframe the thoughts, that change things how I feel about things. And the way I feel about things determine the actions that I take. If that, if you understand what I meant by that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like being aware, being aware of the thoughts so you can actually cultivate empowering thoughts so you can actually ha- feel the way you want to feel so you can make decisions and actions that you re- that are in your best interest. I think it's, I mean, I think that's really powerful. I think that's really powerful. And I think that that just speaks so much to the journey that you've been on and that you're continuing to be on and all the people that you continue to inspire because you're having the awareness as you're going through this process and we all struggle and there's nothing wrong with, you know, there's nothing wrong with struggling and it's about just getting better. And, um, it's, it's really, it's really, it's really inspirational. I want to, I want to wrap up with a question that I like to ask everybody, um, which is what is one area of your life where you are feeling full in right now? To be honest with you, I wish I can say I was satisfied. I'd be lying to you if I was satisfied. But there's nowhere in my life that I feel satisfied right now. And I view that as a blessing. How about fulfilled, because though? Maybe, maybe satisfied is not the right word. Maybe fulfilled is better. Is there an area of your life that you feel fulfilled? I'm alive. I mean, that's, that would be the only thing. As, at least I'm alive. Yeah. That, that'd be the only thing. If I say I'm fulfilled, I'm alive. As long as I'm alive. Most people who have lived are now dead. Yeah. You think about that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that you, that's awesome <laughs> that you fulfilled by being alive. I think that's amazing. It's a big gift. Being alive is a yeah. big gift. Yeah. But other than that, I view um, not being fulfilled in a certain area is room for me to grow. Some people are different, but for me, it's like more room for me to grow because if I already f- feel like satisfying one thing, like, the word satisfy or fulfilled means that, oh, it's complete. So what's mm. the point of going something, going for more, which I enjoy, but I'm alive, not dead. <laughs> so that's a good thing about appreciating things and not being sad on why I don't have the things I want, but I'm still going to, there's something that I got from um, a guy named Ed Milet. If you're on your way less journey, I'll definitely check out this guy. Um, you're into like business mindset is too. You always talk about blissful dissatisfaction. And the way he would say that is like where you view things and go after things blissful dissatisfaction, meaning that, hey, if you cook a nice piece of steak, it's the most delicious steak in the world. And you cut a piece and you put it in your mouth and eat it. You're satisfied with that bite, but you want more. You want to take another bite. And that's what he means by having more satisfaction and not being fulfilled by that if that makes sense to you yeah yeah i love that man (laughs) yeah i would say too for anyone that's listening like it's hard at first i I promise you the hardest part is probably the first two months even if you're making it easier for yourself it was for me that that was the hardest part like but once i created a habit and i actually believed it like I fully believed that I was going to turn my life around and lose the weight. 
And it's, it was my thoughts that was controlling and dictating my life. I know, and I'm absolutely confident for you. You feel insecure about your way. You feel insecure about your journey. But when you control your thoughts, and at first you're not going to believe, oh, yeah, I say I'm going to do it. Uh, but you, you, deep down, you actually don't know. You just have to keep telling yourself every day. Like I actually like <laughs> wrote down, I have this, my book right here. And I wrote down every day that you see these pages of notes right here. Wow. It's the same words. I say, I'm on my way to get it under 200 pounds. I write that every day. I'm on my way to get it under 200 pounds. I'm on my way to get under 200 pounds. And if you can see, there's multiple pages of with the same sentence. I write it every single day. To ingrain to my subconscious mind that I am going to turn my life around and lose the weight. So whenever, you know, you, don't, you feel like you're losing hope for yourself, you don't believe yourself, write it down. It's your subconscious. And on top of that, what helped me a lot is by using small wins. When I went to the gym, I acknowledge it. It gives me belief because like people are like, Oh, I don't have confidence. Right? Well, you don't have confidence. If you don't have experience in anything, if you have no experience in something, of course it's normal not to have confidence in it. For example, if I tell you, can you tie your shoe with your eyes closed? Of course you're going to be very confident tying your shoe because you've done it your whole life. And that's the same thing with finding a new skill. At first, you're not going to be confident. But then once you do it over through repetition, you're going to be confident in it. So. Hell yeah, yeah, man. That's a great place to wrap this up. You know, get, get, get in the reps until you have the confidence to achieve, achieve what you're trying to achieve. Hell yeah. Yeah, sir. Hey, one more thing before we say goodbye. My goal is to make Feeling Full the best possible podcast you listen to, and I love your feedback. If you have comments, ideas for future shows, guests, or topics, or just feedback in general, you can email me at m@feelingfull.com. You can also find out more about the show and all the past episodes at feelingfull.com. And if you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend or leave a review. Until the next episode, take care, be well, and feel full.